This is the Cubicle Renegade Podcast, session number two. Welcome to the Cubicle Renegade Podcast, where unfulfilled desk jockeys become fearless entrepreneurs. Learn from corporate escapees and world changers who are successfully building businesses that matter. Here's your host, Caleb Wojcik. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Cubicle Renegade podcast. Today's guest is Jenny Blake, founder of lifeaftercollege.org and author of the book, Life After College, The Complete Guide to Getting What You Want. Thanks for joining us, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. So for those listening that are unfamiliar with your blog or your book, can you give us a little background of your traditional offline endeavors first? Sure. I was going to school at UCLA. Mm -hmm. I took a leave of absence at the start of my junior year to help one of my professors start a company. Mm -hmm. And it was a startup that did online political polling. So that started my online geekiness, even though really that had been there since I was a little kid. And I worked at the startup for two years. I later went back to finish at UCLA. And then I moved over to Google, Mm -hmm. where I was for five and a half years doing AdWords product training, and then later career development and manager coaching. Okay. And so how did those types of experiences influence you to start a blog? The the biggest influencer was when I had left school, all of my friends were still partying and taking finals. Mm -hmm. And there I was at 20 years old working at the startup. You know, everyone that worked there was a college professor. Mm -hmm. And I was lost and confused. And I felt like I didn't know anything, both from, (laughs) I mean, from everything from basic financial management and personal finance to how long I was supposed to stay at the office and what (laughs) traditional working hours were, Mm -hmm. healthcare. I mean, you name it, I wanted to learn about it. And so I actually started reading every single business and personal development book I could get my hands on Mm -hmm. to just figure out how to manage my time and be effective at the office and be effective with my money. And so that process, I eventually felt like, okay, I've done enough research that if I felt so lost and lonely, I would love to help other people feel less alone in their own journeys after college. Mm -hmm. And so I bought the domain Life After College in 2005. And how long until you really started to, you know, feel like momentum was picking up with that? The I, I turned it into a blog in 2007. Mm-hmm. In 2008, and it truly, my readers were my mom, my dad, my <laughs> grandma. <laughs> I started the way everyone else does. And I was really flying blind. And I never ever had a goal. I still to this day don't of Mm -hmm. getting traffic, even though think traffic is one of my favorite websites. (laughs) I, I just, it was never an overt goal. So momentum really started picking up later in 2008. Twitter helped a ton. Brazen Mm -hmm. careerist was very, played a huge role. Mm -hmm. And it was as I started developing those relationships outside of the blog that people started sticking around on the blog. And I always focused on just providing the best, most useful content I could, both in terms of blog posts and templates. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if the content was really great, people would share it with their friends and that it would grow organically. And I'm very blessed to say that it has. So, so you have like a, a general theme for your site, but you wouldn't necessarily say you're in a specific niche. You're not in like a 
like a personal finance niche. And I mean, you kind of talk about personal development and career development. You kind of talk about everything. So, <laughs> right, right. So how do you how do you keep a similar focus and theme through everything that you write? It's so funny. I've I've worried since the beginning. Gosh, shouldn't I have a theme? Should I narrow this down? And yet I never wanted to be pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. So I talk about life, work, money, career, exactly everything you listed and more. Mm -hmm. And I have found that people appreciate the diversity. And so even though people suggest picking a niche and picking a theme, mm -hmm. I just kind of that never resonated with me. And so instead it's around my own ideas. I do try and elevate my, my overall mission is both elevate people's thinking, inspire them to do big and, and live fully in the world and still give them really practical, tangible tips and resources that will mm -hmm. help them do that. So a little bit of everything. And, and so a lot of people start off with blogging with money as an end goal or mm -hmm. in a rush to earn money online. How mm -hmm. long was it before you actually started making you know, <laughs> more than like a few dollars here and there? Well, consider that the first income I ever really made was getting the book deal. And mm -hmm. that happened in 2010. So if I set up the domain in 2005, the blog in 2007, so 2010, that's three years. Mm -hmm. The first thing I ever sold from my blog was my book. Mm -hmm. And that was starting in March of 2011. And it was crazy. I mean, I had, I was really slow to the monetizing the blog game. Mm -hmm. And when my book was coming out last year, I was nervous. I had never tried to sell anything to my audience. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if they were going to rally and, and buy this $10 book, mm -hmm. but they did. And then after that, it gave me the confidence. The next thing I did was create my Make Should Happen course mm -hmm. and participate in some affiliate sales. Mm -hmm. And the Make Should Happen course was also terrifying because that course <laughs> was $300. Mm -hmm. So I could show, all right, people are willing to buy a $10 book, but it wasn't until I had quit Google. This it's now or never. Got to make it. I sold the course, mm -hmm. and again, like, so blessed to have a community that was interested and that supported it. And um, the course sold out in the first twenty-four hours. And that's awesome. Um, it was a big fear of mine mm -hmm. because if I didn't sell out, I was going to feel like all my entrepreneurial hopes and dreams were crushed. <laughs> but alas, so far so good. <laughs> so, so you not only loved the job you had before, but you're also making a good living doing it. What what kind of itch wasn't being scratched for you to want to leave Google? Such a great question. <laughs> and one that was hard for me to answer. I liken it to breaking up with celebrity. It was almost like breaking up with Brad Pitt. You know, people would <laughs> look at me like, what? You really think you can do better than Google? <laughs> Google was, I was making six figures, three meals a day, gym, yoga, amazing people, mm -hmm. incredible work. And yet, yes, there was an itch that wasn't being scratched around my own business. And I started to realize that I had so many ideas and plans for my book and my book and my blog that it wasn't fair anymore to try and do both. And mm -hmm. it wasn't fair to Google either. So there was a certain point at which I had taken a three-month sabbatical from March to June of last year. I was so busy that I realized it's not fair to my team at Google for me to even go back and mm -hmm. be distracted. And it's not fair to JBE, Jenny Blake Enterprises, and my <laughs> own projects if I give them the short shrift. And then finally, 
it's not fair health wise to myself mm -hmm. to keep, I was running myself into the ground. I was getting burnt out and that just wasn't sustainable. And I could see that and I could feel it. So this, it was this feeling that I will forever regret if I don't try. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can make it on my own. I don't even know if I'll enjoy it, but I will forever regret not trying. And that's finally what pushed me over the edge. Absolutely. And I, and I was in this exact same boat when, when I made the leap. And to me, I, there was a piece in your book that I think you had used from someone else about when you are on a trapeze, there's a, yes. there's a point of where you have to let go of your bar and you're, you're in the air and you're free falling before you grab the next one. And, and there's that uncertainty about it. Um, and so that's what, that's what makes it the hardest. Do you think that for someone that's in a job, maybe they dread or they, they hate or they want to transition away from, do you think that they should just make the full jump into entrepreneurship or should they kind of dabble in a few things before they make that leap? It's definitely up to each individual. And I, first and foremost, you got to trust your gut. It is helpful to have a marketable skill, mm -hmm. whatever that skill is. For me, it was life coaching. I had gone to coach training in 2008, not knowing how it was going to play out at Google or mm -hmm. in my own side projects. And the amazing thing is that coaching has been my income bridge since I left Google. And I call it a bridge because I don't know that it will be the cornerstone of my business forever, but for mm -hmm. now it's paying the bills. Absolutely. And so there are certain people where they want to quit. And I just would ask them, be clear on what you can offer the world, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, be clear on how you do want to get paid. And if you don't, if you're not clear and you want the time for soul searching, then just save up more money <laughs> before right, you leave. Right. And, and because some people prefer to travel the world for a year and have no clue, and then they'll, they trust that they'll come to it later. For me, my internal CFO was, was putting the smack down a little harder than, than <laughs> that. <laughs> so, so yeah, you have to build up, you have to build up a savings to a certain extent. If you don't have recurring it, like revenue of, or income that's, that's mm -hmm. on the side and, it's it's different. It's really a personal preference whether or not you, you know, eat, pray, love your way around the world for a while and figure out what you <laughs> right. want to do, or right, or if you're 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 going to hustle for a while and then and build up something immediately. So I think that's definitely a personal preference. Do you think that do you think that anyone can be an entrepreneur, or do you think it takes a certain kind of personality? I was just talking about this with someone the other day. Sometimes I think people feel pressure that all the cool kids are quitting their jobs, especially <laughs> if you read any blogs online. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think that that many, many people and many more than they probably even realize can be successful as an entrepreneur. And that's to say they don't have to. My roommate, Julie, just published her book, The Work Revolution, and she's kind of taking a stand to say, look, not everyone has to quit their jobs. Mm -hmm. Our economy wouldn't survive if they did. Right. So here's how to make the workplace engaging and effective and inspiring. And the other thing I wanted to say, just going back one second to building up this idea of building up your income fully on the side before quitting, I was never able to do that. Mm -hmm. And and I just want to be clear that sometimes that's not possible. I mean, I was going to reach total and utter burnout before that was to be possible. Mm -hmm. And while I didn't want it to be a limiting belief of, Oh, I can only quit when I'm making enough money. And I wanted, I wanted it to be 
let's see, what am I trying to say? I didn't want to make excuses for Mm -hmm. why I was or wasn't leaving, but ultimately I had to say, look, I just simply cannot work full-time and try and build up a full-time salary on the side. There was a point where I had to call it and just say, that's not going to happen and quit anyway. Mm -hmm. And so that is nerve wracking. But I do say that as encouragement for people who feel a little discouraged. Like, what if I can't build up a full income on the side? It's not, it's not always possible and don't feel bad if you're not there yet. Yeah, absolutely. But I think even, even a small portion or perhaps having a network of people that you know, you can rely on and Yes. And even like your example, sometimes once you quit or as you're putting that out to your network, opportunities will come up. Mm-hmm. And you were so great about seizing that opportunity and and applying and working with Corbett. Mm-hmm. And I think that people assume they have to do everything on their own once once they, you know, leave a regular position or they try to be an entrepreneur. It's it's all on them and really it's all about who you surround yourself with because you never know what doors will open and you never know what opportunities will present themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, Absolutely. So now that you are self-employed, how do you kind of balance the freedom of, you know, I can do whatever I want today? Like how much, how much energy do you put into working versus, you know, lifestyle? I, there was a big decompression period. Once I left Google, it was five and a half years of incredibly fast paced, super motivated, smart people. And I realized that it took me several months to not only decompress, but find my own way of balancing work and creativity and health practices. And so now I would say I've swung so far in the (laughs) other direction (laughs) that I love I only take meetings two days a week mm-hmm. and that leaves the rest of the days to do with what I will, mm-hmm. what I want to. And I really do try and make sure that my day revolves around practices I enjoy, like running and reading and yoga. Mm-hmm. I've been taking a lot of yoga and also teaching more now that I live in New York. And I'm really trying to let go of the pressure to work so much mm-hmm. because the cool thing about running your own business is that if you're strategic about it, you don't have to work mm-hmm. five days a week nonstop. On and um, sometimes there will be periods like that. Uh, the authors, there's a book, The Power of Full Engagement, and they talk about sprints and recovery. Mm-hmm. And I really like that way of working. There will be sprints and big pushes and big launches, but how fun and important it is also to build in recovery because otherwise, what's the point? The reason that we quit is to enjoy our lives. Mm -hmm. And so um, my latest example is I'm going to Bali and Thailand for a month starting in a week. Mm -hmm. And I'm really going to try and be unplugged about it, which will be exciting. Yeah, I happened to see your your autoresponder saying, you know, I'm not going to even read these emails that I get for the next month. So if you want to reach me, try (laughs) again later, basically. Right. I'm essentially saying, please resend your email in June. Because, yeah, that's that's the other thing. If when we do take these, let's say, a month-long vacation, if I then feel compelled to answer 2,000 emails when I come home, <laughs> that's not really fulfilling either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nerve-wracking, though. I got to say, when I'm, when I'm when I'm my own boss and my own business, I am a little bit – it's a little nerve-wracking to think <laughs> about leaving it for a month. Mm-hmm. But I've just got to trust and have faith that all my readers will still be there and potential coaching clients and that it will all work out. <laughs> and I think you earn a certain sort 
of respect from people too when you take kind of a hiatus and you and you show people that you're not available all the time you're not going to be answering work emails like two right. in the morning just because that's when you got you got it so. right and and that's aspirational for people as well i mean if i'm going to be coaching people on quitting their job and building a life that they love i gotta do it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's like they they shouldn't want to hire me as their coach if I'm emailing at two in the morning because that would say to me like I got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Corbett and I have this kind of conversation too, where you know we're teaching all these things to people, and sometimes we're just like, you know, we have to listen to our own advice and like you know implement some of these things we're talking about, and and that can that can happen too with just how much you're working or you know what you're spending your time doing. You have to you really have to balance what it is that is important to you and that's what you should put your time into. So what would you consider to be the hardest part about working for yourself now? I would say, let's see. I would say that the hardest part, probably doing the things I don't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) And in some cases that just means don't do them. Mm In others, it is trying to be strategic about should I hire help? Should I have an intern? Should I do kind of outsource this work? Mm-hmm. And then the whole process of delegating. So it's it's figuring out what to do around the stuff I don't really like. Like writing sales copy, it's just not my bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's figuring out how to get the help I need, knowing that I'm not going to be 100% strong at everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And I think that people that you know, go off on their own are usually the kind of people that will try to figure something else out first before they ask for help or, you know, pay for mm-hmm. someone to do it. And a lot of people are also bootstrapping and so they might not have the money right. to pay. So right. what are some areas that you've, you know, allowed other people to do for you that you don't consider yourself to be an expert in? Definitely copywriting. Mm-hmm. I, I just had a lot of help and I worked with my friend Andy Drish, mm-hmm. who's such a genius at this stuff. <laughs> and then I did bring on an intern, Emily Smith, who calling her an intern just doesn't do her justice. She's my angel for Make <laughs> Shit Happen. And she helps me. It's not necessarily stuff I couldn't do, but she helps stay engaged with the class and write to people and encourages them and answers questions. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice for me to even have a sounding board around ideas that I have or issues that I see come up. Mm -hmm. So I think part of what happens when you're working on your own is, is just wanting to find people to collaborate with or bounce ideas around. And the other thing I would say is I set up a mastermind group with two other bloggers and independent business people. Mm -hmm. And that's been really helpful. So once a week we have an hour long check-in call and we talk about highs, lows, wins, things we've learned, a challenge we're facing. If someone has a big launch coming up, we'll all jump in and brainstorm for that Mm -hmm. person. And it's such a nice way to get feedback and feel collaborative, even if you're not working together on actual business ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And, And that's something that was really helpful for me early on was having a mastermind group of people that are all around the similar level, you can bounce ideas off of. And, and I'd highly recommend that to anyone that's you know, trying to build something, whether a business mm-hmm. or a website or, you know, maybe just a skill. If you're trying to learn something new, it's really helpful to have people that can motivate you and can 
address questions you have or you can bounce ideas off of. It's really, really helpful, especially if you're working by yourself and you don't have other people that yes. are interested with what you're doing. So right. you offer two main courses at Life After College. I love to hear about what the differences are and what kind of your expectations are of the people that join those courses. So we can start talking about design your life first. Sure. To give you an idea of the whole funnel, to use total marketing jargon, <laughs> the website is free. Mm -hmm. Then they could sign up for my newsletter. That's free. The book is, I call it a portable life coach, and it has coaching exercises, tips and quotes for every area of someone's life. And that's $10. Mm -hmm. And then we get to design your life. So design your life brings the book to life. And design your life is a six-week course to help people in a guided way, work through what they want to create in the big areas, mm -hmm. career, work, or career and work is the same, <laughs> kind of overall life values, career, money, health and fitness, friends, and social life, and then a grab bag of kind of everything else, mm -hmm. fun, relaxation, personal growth. And the course is really dynamic. I mean, there are question prompts, exercises, videos to watch, and it's meant to help people take more action. Sometimes for me, when I read a book, I think that's nice and I don't do anything about it. Right. And so the Design Your Life course, people, if they sign up, they can enroll a friend for free and then oh, they can cool. help each other and check in with each other. It's almost a mini mastermind group. Cool. Yeah. And then make should happen is, okay, once you have your life in order and you've lifted the fog on what you want, make should happen helps people take a goal that's really meaningful to them. Typically, I find people are tiptoeing around something in their life that they would love to do, whether it's run a marathon, write a book, quit their job, start a blog, whatever it mm -hmm. is. So many people have a big dream and they're afraid to start. And so... The course is really a fun, it is a love of my life project that's eight weeks to help people turn a big goal from improbable idea to inevitable success. And so much of the value is in who they meet in the course mm -hmm. and who they interact with. And it's an absolute joy of mine to get to bring 36 amazing people together and have them support and encourage and motivate each other. So it sounds like pretty much any kind of big audacious goal that someone has, they could go through the course and, and, you know, apply it to it. It's, it's kind of a blueprint for reaching whatever it is you want to reach, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. That, that to me, what matters is not even that they accomplish the goal in eight weeks. It's that they learn a process. Yes. That they can apply to anything they undertake from here on out. And to give you a basic idea, um, the, I've kind of reverse engineered all the things that I had done in my life mm -hmm. and came up with this process. So declare your dream, vision and values, building a support network, uh, busting through your barriers, grind, you know, creating an action plan, mm -hmm. surviving the dip, learning how to celebrate. These are things that I bumped up against time and time again and realized, okay, I can really help people know what to expect, know what's coming, not get discouraged when they hit a dip mm -hmm. and find the support they need to really make anything happen in their lives. Well, that's awesome. I, I think I should sign up and just, <laughs> just to see like what's in there and just to check out like what other people are working on. And 
And for love Design Your Life, that's always available, correct? Yes. And Design then, Your Life okay. is on demand. And then I'm actually relaunching Make Shit Happen in June with Mario of Idea Mensch. Okay. So we're going to throw in a bunch of extra bonuses. It's going to be my audience and his thrown in the mix. We're both going to be facilitating live webinars, Q&A calls. It's going to be fun. So yeah, June is definitely, definitely the time to get on board. Awesome. So thank you so much, Jenny, for taking the time to talk with me today. I really do appreciate it. And I have one more question. What's what's next? Sure. What's the next big thing <laughs> for you in life after college? It's so funny. I just got off a coaching call with my coach where I said, I have no clue what's next. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hoping that this trip to Bali and Thailand I'm not expecting it to solve that question, mm -hmm. but to just be open and intuitive and creative, to me, that's part of the joy of being my own boss is that I can be really intuitive about what I work on. And um, also what's next is continuing with Geek Yoga. So if, if anyone lives in New York or you ever end up in New York, it's every Thursday night at 8 p.m. And you can read more about that at geekyogaNYC.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on and have a great trip to Bali, Jenny. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for all the great questions and huge thanks to everyone who's listening. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Pocket Changed Cubicle Renegade podcast at www.pocketchanged.com. To read this episode's show notes or check out other sessions, head over to cubiclerenegade.com.